Well, I want to say uh, it's really good to be with you all. Um, this is definitely the, the most people that I've um, talked to, so this is exciting. Um, it's just so cool this year, you know, seeing how many people we have. I was just standing back behind everyone this morning in worship, and it was, I was just like, man, this is, you know, every year we talk about having more people, and, you know, not just a numbers thing, but having more, more souls, right? And it's just so good to see uh, just a packed house, and it's so good to see all of you men. Um, you guys look great. Um, but yeah, my name is Landon, and, and if you don't know me, my wife and I serve in, uh, in Winsville, Revolution Campus Ministry, um, and so I, I don't know a lot of you guys, but one thing I loved last night, I loved that, you know, going over to the numbers and, and just getting an opportunity to fellowship and talk with, with some of you guys that I don't know, that was great. Um, you know, but we're going to be talking about uh, persecution and being unshook by persecution, and when I saw that this was my, my lesson, I, uh, for, at first I was like, oh, cool, all right, persecution, awesome. And then the more that I got to think about it, I said, man, you know, this is not a coincidence. I know that God is trying to teach me something through this because just being honest, I kind of naturally just feel like a coward a lot of the time. And maybe some of you guys can identify with me in that, but I just don't feel like the strongest, you know, I mean, I definitely don't look that strong. I'm not that strong. Uh, But I'm just not, I don't feel like that one that's just going to stand tall sometimes. I feel like I'm the one to just give in sometimes, right? And and when I think about, uh, when I think about what's going on in other countries today, I mean, when we're talking about persecution, we are talking about being disrespected, being hated by the world for, you know, for what we do in Jesus, and when we think about what's going on in other countries, we need to remember that, that there are countries right now as we speak, people are losing their lives. Families are being broken up and separated. Um, you know, people are being thrown out of their own country, out of their own homeland, um, sold into slavery, into sex trafficking, tortured, in prison for the rest of their life, no job, no property, no nothing. Guys, we have it so easy. But you know the one thing that's really interesting about those other countries? Christianity is growing faster in those really heavily persecuted countries than it is for sure in this, in this country. Uh, I, I won't speak on it but just for a minute, but there was a, a, a video, a movie made not too long ago about a church in Iran that's actually mostly led by women. And... The women, any time, if, if people know who they are and, the, and, if, and, and that they worship Jesus, at any time they could be picked up, uh, they'd, be, they'd be kidnapped, they'd be raped, and they would either go in prison or they'd be killed. But that church is growing rapidly. And we don't, we don't experience that here. But yet, look at where our country is. Look at where Europe is. There is pra- Christianity is practically dead in Europe. And some people think that, we're, that this country is heading in the same direction, that we're going to be like Europe is now. So, starting off, I think that we just need to really be thinking about where we are. Where, we are, where are we men when it comes to, to persecution? You know, when we face that, you know, and I don't want to diminish any kind of persecution in your life because it's hard no matter what it is. But for what we face in this country, how do you, how does it affect you? What do you do? What's your response? Are you standing tall? And are we setting a good example for our ladies? Because, you know, we've all... Uh, and I, I speak more for, for Winsfield, but, you know, I've seen some of our ladies go through some really difficult stuff because girls can be mean. But many of them are very faithful and they stand strong and they stand up for what they believe. So let, but as men, let's really set a great example for our ladies, okay? 
Um, I do have, you know, a, some personal connection to this topic. Um, I would say a lot of the persecution that I faced has come from my family. Uh, when I moved to Lindenwood um, in St. Charles uh, in 2013, um, you know, I went there on a scholarship uh, to play pool, play billiards, uh, and, you know, but immediately as soon as I went there, everything changed. Two guys, uh, Jake Sitton and Chris Gorris, and I met some other people, but they studied the Bible with me, and just a month later, I decided that I wanted to follow Jesus. But I was there six hours away for a scholarship. My dad really, he did not want me to really do much else than to pursue this sport uh, and to, to continue to make a name for myself. Uh, and, and they weren't too happy about me putting all of that on the back burner, including school. And I kept good grades. But immediately I knew that all of that stuff was going to go on the back burner. And I faced a lot of backlash. My mom was cold with me for a long time and thought that I loved, you know, my church family more than I did them. My dad for months would not talk to me because, you know, I, I wasn't doing all that he wanted me to do. Uh, my sister would, con- would continuously tell me that, you know, you're, you're just holier than thou. And there probably was some, some, you know, I was probably not as good with some things that I said early on. I was, I was definitely Bible thumping sometimes. But it was like every time I tried to, t- to say anything about it, oh, you're holier than thou. So it was just, I just felt kind of isolated and just kind of separate from my family for a while. That was really difficult. Um, so I do feel like I, I've got some, uh, some connection to this. And I know that there are, hopefully all of us, if not, I mean, a lot of you have, have faced persecution. So I hope that you'll be thinking about that, what you have faced as we talk today. Um, so let's get into our passage for today. Our goal is to be unshook by persecution. So, uh, Carrie spoke a lot on this passage uh, in his lesson this morning, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 4, and I will repeat uh, these passages and, and my points so you guys can get them written down. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, and then we're going to skip down to verses 29 and 31. So that's Acts chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, and we're going to skip down to 29 and 31 as well. So let's read this, and then we're going we're gonna to jump into our main points. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all of the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. When I was thinking about where my core passage would be, I mean, you know, you go to the book of Acts, and you go to the beginning, and and when the church is just explosive, spreading on the scene, I'm like, well, I mean, what better place to start? And I feel like we really begin to see this here. Now, Before we begin to kind of dissect this passage, we need to get one thing out of the way. Okay, so this is going to be your first point. In order to be unshook by persecution, we must not be surprised. This is the first thing that I really wanted to address with you guys because the Bible is very clear about it. Jesus was very clear about it. That as followers of Christ, we must not be surprised by persecution. We never ever seem to be ready for it. It never feels right. It always seems to blindside us 
Or we think that, well, maybe the Bible was talking about someone else. The Bible wasn't talking about me. I mean, gosh, people are going to be mean to me because I follow Jesus. That's for, that's for some other people. No, that's for you if, you're, if you are a follower of Jesus. We're never ready for it. But we, never, we can never let it surprise us. 1 Peter 4.12. 1 Peter 4.12. He says this. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. That word fiery, now, and I, I did not do any research on this. I listened to Francis Chan give a sermon about persecution, and he said that, that Peter used that word fiery. A lot of scholars believe that Nero, uh, one of the Roman emperors, at, or the Roman emperor at that time, who was a maniac and, a, and a, just a horrible, horrendous human being, uh, he was taking Christians, lighting them on fire, and using them to light up his palace. A lot of scholars believe that's why Peter said he used that word fiery. Don't be surprised when this fiery ordeal comes upon you. He's like, don't be surprised. Jesus told us before this was going to happen. But I think this is also important because oftentimes when we're surprised by something, we often have to take a step back. We often have to figure out some sort of game plan. And, we, and quite frankly, guys, we lose time when we're not ready. We should immediately be ready to jump back onto the battlefield and to continue to go out and to continue to do the work that God's called us to do, which is looking for lost people to seek and save the lost. When we lose time, we lose those opportunities. And we're going to talk about a little bit more later about what that losing that time looks like, you know, how what we're doing and our actions contributes to that loss of time, but we'll get into that in a bit. But we need to be ready because life is short and we've only got so much time to do the work that God calls us to do. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 10.22, just to reiterate, Matthew 10.22, you will be hated by everyone because of me. There it is, plain and simple. You will be hated by everyone because of me. Okay, so first point, in order to be unshook by persecution, we must not be surprised. I thought, I was like, well, we gotta, we gotta deal with that one. Our second point, and this is where we're gonna jump into the Acts passage, okay? Second point, in order to be unshook by persecution, we must turn persecution into a prayer of praise and gratitude. I'm going to repeat that. In order to be unshook by persecution, we must turn persecution into a prayer of praise and gratitude. Verse 24. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Okay, they've immediately, they're, they're just now starting to face this persecution. And like Carrie talked about this morning, that's how they started off this prayer. They didn't come to God and say, oh Lord, we're hurting. Oh Lord, take this away. They're like, no, let's immediately just acknowledge who God is. Let's praise him. It's something that really doesn't seem right here. When we face this kind of, of insult, this kind of disrespect, it just doesn't seem fitting to immediately go to our creator and to say, God, you are awesome. God, you created the galaxies. God, you created the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. It just doesn't seem right. But I'm telling you, and God is telling you, that that's what we need to do. That word sovereign that we see there, that word means the most exalted one or kind. That word sovereign, God is sovereign and he is the ruler over everything. He is in complete control. 
Part of the reason why I wanted to pray on our knees this morning, and I'm trying to get in more of the habit of doing that, is I think posture says a lot in our prayer. And I think when we go on our knees before God, I think it, it is a way of just immediately letting God know, listen, I'm small, I'm finite, I'm not anything, you're awesome, you're great, and I just want to let my body show that. And I think it's important to have this kind of, this kind of praise right at the beginning because when we're tempted to blame God for what we're going through, we immediately get our hearts set right. Because how can you blame God? How can you put something on him when we simply just acknowledge who he is, that he's the one in control, that he is, that when we're acknowledging his greatness, we need to immediately just have our hearts set right before our God and begin to uh, acknowledge his goodness and his greatness. Because I know that when I've faced crap, and when you guys have, maybe you guys have too, but I've been tempted to blame God and to be mad. But when I have the kind of attitude and the kind of words that the first century believers had, I can't feel that way. I don't feel that way. Because I remember that God is good and that he is mighty. You know, as I was reading this, I wonder, I said, well, I wonder where the apostles learned how to, to give this kind of praise in the midst of persecution. Okay, and I looked to David. You know, and they quote David in this passage. Now, we didn't read that bit, but they do talk about him. I was like, well, David faced a lot of stuff. I mean, he was on the run from Saul for, for a lot of his life. I, let me go back to the Psalms and let me see what he says. So I'm going to give you guys three passages real quick, okay? Three passages uh, from Psalms. This is going to be David talking. The first one is Psalm 52, 8 through 9. Psalm 52, 8 through 9. But I am like an olive tree thriving in the house of God. I will always trust in God's unfailing love. I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. I will trust in your good name and the presence of your faithful people. That's David on the run from a man that wants to kill him. Let's go to Psalm 59, 16 through 17. Psalm 59, 16 through 17. Another one, David's on the run. But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. For you have been my refuge, a place of uh, safety when I am in distress. O oh, my strength, I, uh, to, to you I sing praises. For you, O oh God, are my refuge, the God who shows me unfailing love. Let's do one more. This is when David has been seized by the Philistines. He's now being held captive. Uh, this is Psalm 56, 12 through 13. Psalm 56, 12 through 13. I will fulfill... Fulfill my vows to you, O God, and will offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. That is awesome. That is incredible. For a man that experienced a lot of hardship, some was uh, just consequences of his doing, but man, to have that kind of attitude and to talk to God that way and in in what he was going through and being on the run from a man that wanted to kill him, being, being taken by a, a country that continually blasp, uh, was blasphemers of God, that is awesome. And we need to learn from David's example. And I think the first century believers were learning from his example too. Um, the Bible also makes it clear that we need to thank God for our persecution, as I was talking about before, okay? A couple more verses. Let's ask ourselves, do we have this outlook and attitude? Acts 5.41. Acts 5.41. The apostles left the high council rejoicing 
that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. They were rejoicing. Are we? Am I? 1 Peter 4, 13 through 14. I know it's a lot of scripture, but uh, it kind of just, uh, they, they say it for me. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 13 through 14. But rejoice in as much. This is just right after that, not being surprised about the fiery ordeal. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. That's powerful. God, when we, uh, guys, when we, are, um, are, when we are disrespected and insulted, the, the glory and the spirit of God rests upon us. Doesn't that change how we're feeling in that moment? I know it does for me. One more. Matthew 5, 11 through 12. Matthew 5, 11 through 12. That's the teacher in me, the, re- the repetition I figured out. Uh, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We're not alone. There are those before us, including the first century believers, uh, the first disciples of Jesus, we're not alone. They, and, and thousands, if not millions since, have also faced this kind of persecution. We are not alone, but we also we need to have an attitude that thanks God for it. As hard as that might be, that's the kind of attitude we need to have, okay? So first, we must, we must not be surprised. Um, second, we need to turn persecution into a prayer of uh, praise and gratitude. Our third point In order to be unshook, we must go from persecution to partnership. In order to be unshook by persecution, we must go. In order to be unshook, we must go from persecution to partnership. Now, I wanted to use that word partnership because I see it in verse 24. Okay, verse 24 of our main passage in Acts 4, it says, When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. They raised their voices together. That tells us that they were together when they were suffering. They did not isolate themselves. They were not alone. They were together. When I use that, ter- that word partner, partnership, I just want you to imagine a, just a band of people, arm in arm, standing tall, standing for, standing for truth, standing for something that is right, and they are not able to be shaken. I know we probably have a lot of Avengers fans in here, or Marvel fans. I'm, I, I really like Marvel now. Um, but my favorite movies are the ones uh, where it's the Avengers movies where they all fight together. I love watching you know, them fight by themselves. I mean, that's a lot of fun. And they are so strong on their own. But I think it's so cool when we get to watch them together because they fight together. And all of a sudden, their power and their ability is just multiplied by a huge number. And it's the same with us. We need to partner together with our brothers and sisters, knowing that while God loves to see us work on our own in our workplaces and our schools and our families, and we need to learn to stand tall on our own, but God loves to see us come together, especially in that time. Because guys, I, I believe that, that our power, it's multiplied. God can do so much more through us when we partner together. 
And God knew when he created us, even in the beginning for relationship, he knew that there was power in togetherness. There was comfort in togetherness. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 and 12. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 and 12. You guys have heard this one, I'm sure. Two people are better, th- better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. I love that word conquer, because we see conquering happening in the first century church. They Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Persecution is hard. And we need each other to find the strength and the comfort that we need. It's as simple as that. I want you guys to ask yourself, I want to ask, I've asked myself this question a lot of times. I want you guys to ask it. You know, when facing persecution, do I isolate myself? Do I isolate myself from my small group? Are you just kind of all of a sudden MIA? No one's heard from you? You just kind of drift away? Do you isolate yourself from your ministry? Maybe you're there physically, bodily, but you're not there. Feelings are not a bad thing. Discouragement and this kind of pain from from suffering persecution is not a bad thing, but do you let it control you? Do you let it hinder you from the work that God is continually wanting to do? I know I've done that. Feelings and, and emotions and just mood, that's something that completely has controlled me. And it has rendered me ineffective many times. But I've found that uh, that doesn't happen as much when I'm just, uh, when I just remove the pride and I remove the insecurities and then I just go to the people and say, man, this is what my dad said to me earlier today. You know, my dad hasn't spoken to me in, in two months and doesn't care to reach out. As a matter of fact, and I... Well, I probably shouldn't say that. That's probably not out of love. So I'm not going to say that. I was going to say something about my dad, but I'm not. Guys, we can't isolate ourselves. We cannot have a pity party. We can't waste time. That's part of what I was saying earlier. Let's not waste time. Let's let ourselves be comforted by those around us. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 6. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 6. Praise be to the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our comfort, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God if we are distressed. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. That's partnering together. In that passage, Paul is talking about all of the struggles that he had in Asia. And that's where he's talking about, we hated life. We felt that we had been given the death sentence. But then you immediately see him go into comfort and talking about people. That's important. And when we are being persecuted in our homes and our schools and on our campuses, we better partner together because if we're not, we're going to float away, we're going to drift away, we're going to be isolated and Satan's going to be, uh, Satan will be able to do even more damage. Let's partner together. 
Fourth point. In order to be unshook by persecution, we must turn persecution into a prayer of purpose. In order to be unshook, we must turn persecution into a prayer of purpose. Let's look at verses 29 and 30 of that Acts 4 passage. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It's so easy to see where their minds were. It's so easy to see just what they were about. They were able to see past what was happening to them directly in that moment. They were able to see past the emotional pain, the physical pain, the spiritual pain. You guys familiar with those three pains? That's what Jesus suffered on the cross. Well, on the cross and going up to the cross, he suffered all of those. And they were suffering those too, but they did not let that control them. They were still able to see the eternal focus, the eternal perspective. And that was other souls that were out there, that had other people that had not known about God. Gentiles that were completely ignorant and completely living sinful lives, they said, no, there's more out there. They've, they've got to be saved. Then there's the Jews who had persecuted Jesus and put Jesus up on the cross, living incredibly sinful lives, and they said, no, there's Jews out there. We need to go, we need to go save them, and everyone in between. They saw past that pain, looked onward unselfishly, to lost people into eternity. That kind of focus was what enabled them to pray that prayer. God, enable us to preach your word boldly. Let's turn our prayers into prayers of purpose. You know, um, I was, I, I, I'm so, I came into, I came to St. Charles in 2013, but it makes me so sad sometimes that I didn't get to experience some of what happened with Uh, what we were called then was ACB, a cross between um, ministry. I'm so sad that I didn't get to experience uh, what had happened just kind of previously, I think a year, uh, the summer before I came there. And a lot of you are probably familiar with with some of what our ministry at the time went through at Lindenwood, but basically, long story short, uh, our, our ministry at that time faced a ton of backlash and persecution. Articles were written about us you know, spreading rumors and spreading lies. I mean, article after article after article, and we were hated on campus, hated. You know, our women were having things thrown at them. The cars were, you know, stuff just hurling things at them and just this nasty stuff. But what I've been told, and I I, I think Carrie's back there, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that we had any disciples walk away at that time. As a matter of fact, what I've been told, and I keep saying, I'm like, oh, I wish I could have been there. But all of our members went into the office to carry work there. And they said, have you seen this? And they showed him the article. And they immediately went back to their rooms and they put on all of their ACB gear. Sweatshirts, hoodies, hats, whatever. And they went out on campus boldly continuing to, to just reach out, meet people, and, and study the Bible with people. And show that campus who God is. And I see that same attitude in those first century believers. They were like, you know what, this sucks. And like I said, this is not even as bad as it could be. It's, it sucks, right? Because the people that were spreading those rumors were people that they knew. People that they had reached out to. People that they had taken into their homes. And yet they were completely disrespecting them and saying these hurtful things. But they said, you know what, 
there's still work to be done. I'm going to go put on my ACB hoodie and I'm going to make sure people know who I am. And hopefully, they'll, get, they'll give God a chance. Ephesians 6, 19. Ephesians 6, 19. Paul says this, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Paul is writing this chained up. In chains, guys. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. One really important thing to remember while we're facing this kind of persecution and something that I think will enable us to have these, these purposeful prayers and just being like, God, you know, this, this stinks, but I'm, I, you, I've got work to do and I'm going to go do it. God, just please give me the opportunities. Something I think will help us to remember that is when we are openly persecuted in public, you know, let, let's, you know this is, we're, we're, most of us are we're in uh, you know, we're part of a campus ministry, we're at a school, so let's just talk about our classrooms. Think about the, the, your classmates. Think about the people that are watching you that could be impacted and influenced by the way that you stand up against, let's just say, another classmate or a professor. You know, I was told one time, um, I th- I, it was something like, you know, man, that person that sees you stand up tall in your class for Jesus, those are the people that are going to remember you. They, those are the people that will come to you later on and say, hey, man, I, I saw what you said back there. Um, can you tell me more about that? Like, what do you guys do? What's your ministry? I mean, you guys, you guys are really serious. You know, when we, when we are disrespected by our, our, our professors and our classmates and persecuted, God, guys, that can be a great example. And, and I have, there was a, I was taking a world religions class at, at Lindenwood, and I had known this professor before, not known him personally, I had known about him before going, uh, before going into this class, and I was, I was kind of interested to see how things would play out. Uh, long story short, he was not a fan of our ministry. Um, and, and what's really sad about this is that professor claimed to go to church and said, and I kid not in class one time, that he said his church services were boring as H-E-double-L. That's what he said. That's where this guy's heart was. He, before, right at the beginning of the semester, because, I mean, it's a religions class, so I guess he thought that he had to talk about campus ministries, but he said, you guys do yourselves a favor. There are some, and he didn't name one specifically, but I know exactly who he was talking about. He said, there are some, and I think he might have even said one, ministry on this campus, you want to stay away from them. And I knew who he was talking about. Do you know what I did? Do you know what I said? I didn't say anything. I look back on that like five years. That was, no, that wasn't five years ago. That was four years ago. And I said, man, what an opportunity I missed. Because what I wanted to do, but I was too scared, was to raise my hand and to say, hey, I'm just curious. Which ministry are you talking about? Because I'm a part of Revolution Campus Ministry. Are you talking about us? Because if so, you're robbing college students of having a relationship with our God, the one that loves them and died for them. You don't want that? You mean you don't want people to get an opportunity to go off campus and to have different food and to be in a home setting and to play games and to build relationship and to have a Bible study? You don't want that? You want, you want people to stay away from us? Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I, hopefully I wouldn't have been 
disrespectful because that might would have destroyed my cause. But I wish I would have stand up, uh, stood up for, for my ministry and for God. That, that's what I'm saying. And that sucks that I missed that opportunity. Because who knows what could have happened in that class. I don't think I, don't think I really had uh, much luck in that class thinking back on it. And it wasn't all because of that one uh, opportunity. But man, I wish I had taken it. And there were other opportunities, but I was quiet. And I regret those. Let's remember what kind of example and what kind of impact we could make if, if we're persecuted in public. So, guys, just to close out, let's just be asking ourselves, how, how have I been handling the persecution in my life? Have I shied away from it? Have I isolated myself? Have I prayed for God to take it away? Or instead, have I prayed, God, use me through this. Use me in the midst of this. And even in my workplace right now, you know, I, I'm a barista at a coffee shop, and I, I, my first de- the deal that I made with the guy that interviewed me, my, the, my previous boss, was I said, listen, I will put in as much work as I can. So if you guys know me, I, I, I love coffee. I was like, I will work all that you want me to Monday through Saturday. I'll be there, and dude, I'm going to give it my all. I said, but I will not come in on Sundays. And luckily, we're only open until 5, so my evenings are not affected. That's awesome. But I, but I was like, I will not come in on Sundays. I said, that's my day to be together with my brothers and sisters. Church, we have, we have church. I have responsibilities. I'm just not going to neglect those. I said, I won't do it. And now we have a new manager, and time after time after time after time, he's asked me, hey, can you come in on Sunday? Hey, man, uh, you know, we're short. Can you come in? I was like, dude, I'm not coming in. I'm sorry, I can't. And he's made some comments about me just not wanting to work. I'm like, I'm like, no, you just don't get it, but that's okay. But I have to remember, you know, God, even though people are not happy about that decision, and that's rather light on the, the temptation or on the persecution scale of things. There's a temptation to fold sometimes, but that would completely destroy my example. But I'm praying that God use me in this place, even if people are not happy with what I'm doing. So I hope that wherever you are, that you know, we look at the end of that passage and we see how God shook that building, filled the, the believers with more of his spirit, and they went out and they continued to change the world. Let's think about the, person, the persecution that we're going through right now, and let's think about what we will face, because the more effective that we become, you can measure your effectiveness by, your, by what people are saying about you a lot of times. So let's think about what we're going to go through, and let's be prepared to handle it the way that God wants us to. Let's pray. God in heaven, um, God, I feel incredibly challenged and convicted because, like I said, um, God, I know, God, I know my heart, and I know that I just am, I'm scared, and I'm a coward sometimes, God, and I pray constantly that you would help me to be a man that stands firm, a man that uh, God doesn't back down, and I pray that for myself, I pray that for all of these men in here, God, that as we go back this week and as we go back to our campuses, that, God, we can just be fearlessly proclaiming who you are, your goodness, 
your son Jesus, what he did on the cross. God, meeting people, building relationships, studying the Bible with people, and fighting through any kind of backlash that we get. Because God, once again, we should look at the, the opportunities that we have and the things that don't happen to us. God, we should look at that as an opportunity to be even more bold. God, help us to be men that are leading our, our, our amazing ladies over there. Help us to be setting the example of what real faithfulness looks like in the midst of persecution. God, I love these guys, and it's so encouraging to see them. And uh, God, I just pray that you will do big things through them this semester. Um, thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.